Hello, America, and happy Friday, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News, where this morning we broke a new story about the Hunter Biden tax case. Yes, earlier this week, Hunter Biden acknowledged he was under criminal investigation by the U.S. Attorney's Office in Delaware. And uh, when you get notified of an investigation that's been running on for two years, it's usually a sign that they're close to wrapping up. That's one of the things we learn about. Sometimes it's called a subject or target notification. But uh, Hunter Biden acknowledged this. It's a pretty dramatic moment. It's caused all the media who laughed off my stories, laughed off Rudy Giuliani stuff, laughed off the laptop, uh, called it Russian disinformation, called it uh, a conspiracy theory. Well, it's very real now. There always was and there always were real reasons for, for journalists and federal investigators to investigate Hunter Biden's business dealings. And today, we know the reason why. Uh, We're being told that tax evasion or tax issues are part of the criminal focus. But while we're looking at that, um, we were able to obtain here at Just the News an email that was turned over to the FBI back in December of last year. That's December 2019. It would have been turned over right around the time that President Trump was going through his impeachment. And remember, President Trump was impeached for asking for an investigation of, uh, from Ukrainian authorities of what went on in the Hunter Biden matter. And um, uh, at the time, Democrats argued there was no reason to ask for that investigation. It was an abuse of power to ask for that investigation. We now know there was plenty of reason to investigate what was going on uh, in um Ukraine, with Hunter Biden in China, all the places where we are. And today, uh, the document we made public, and we quote from, was on a hard drive of a laptop that a Delaware shopkeeper turned over to uh, the FBI after Hunter Biden left the laptop there permanently, never came back and retrieved it. The shop owner looked at some of the information on there, thought he saw evidence of wrongdoing. He alerted the FBI through his father first. They didn't do anything. Then they came back. And in December of 2019, uh, they obtained the uh, hard drive. And on that hard drive, at that moment, when it was turned over to the FBI, there was an email from four days before Donald Trump was inaugurated. Uh, That would have been January 16th, 2017, so nearly four years ago. And in it, a colleague of Hunter Biden's at Rosemont Seneca, one of the many business firms he had, wrote... Uh, Hunter Biden and gave him an outline of all the money he had made overseas and in his various business businesses over the last three or four years. Uh, and in the middle of it, he wrote uh, that Hunter Biden had failed to pay taxes on four hundred thousand dollars of income he had gotten from Burisma Holdings. Yep, you know, you know that company, right? The Ukrainian gas company we were put on the board right around the time the company became under investigation and right at the time Joe Biden got the US Ukraine portfolio put in charge of it by Barack Obama by Barack Obama well uh, in this uh, email he's told that the 2014 money that came into him about $400,000 hadn't been declared on his taxes and he was advised or urged or warned or um, uh, mentioned uh, that he should uh, file an amended tax return. So for three years, if this email is an accurate representation of Hunter Biden's taxes, he would have evaded paying taxes on that $400,000. Pretty extraordinary revelation. And you kind of get a sense when you read the email, there's things talking about phantom income, all sorts of different things going on in the email. You can kind of see why federal investigators might have wanted to take a look at Hunter Biden's taxes. Uh, so we broke that today. We're, um, uh, go to justthenews.com. You can see it. You can read the documents, read all the information, and uh, make your own mind up for yourself. Now, in a few seconds, uh, I'm going to have Dr. Michael Miller on the show. Dr. Michael Miller is a MD. He is someone that is a pro vaccine advocate, a doctor who believes vaccines are good. And uh, we've talked to uh, people of all different um, viewpoints on this, but I want to give you somebody as we head into the um, possible COVID vaccination period. Uh, President Trump is uh, and the 
Warp Speed project was able to get vaccines built, developed, and ready for deployment in record time. And there are a lot of people asking, should I get vaccinated? Where can I get information? I think Dr. Miller uh, he comes from a very clear point, a star, uh, clear viewpoint, which is you should get vaccinated. But he's here to tell us, even if you're uncertain about getting vaccinated, here are some of the places you can get information. What should you talk to your doctor about? What are the questions? What are the things? I think you'll find this valuable. We've had some people who are not big fans of vaccines on this show, and we'll probably bring some of them back to give you an alternative uh, viewpoint on on those who are worried about the safety but and efficacy of the of the COVID-19 or other vaccines. But uh, I myself have been talking to my doctor, trying to figure out what I should do, what's right for me. And every person is going to make a personal decision. I'm not trying to make your mind up for you. But I thought I'd give you some information from the group, why we vax, meaning why we vaccinate, from Dr. Michael Miller. He's going to be here in a few minutes. I think you'll enjoy the conversation. He has a clear point of view, but he also has a lot of information. And as all of us have conversations with our children, our spouses, our mothers and dads and brothers and sisters and friends about should we take the COVID-19 vaccine? Should we take the flu vaccine? Uh, I thought Dr. Michael Miller could provide a very uh, valuable insight. He's going to be with us in just a few minutes. Now we're going to go to a commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to do something uh, for the next couple Fridays that I think is special. Over the uh, last um, several months, I've become a gigantic fan of Frank Siller and the Tunnel to Towers charity out of New York that was born on the tragedy of 9-11 and over the last two decades has been buying homes for wounded officers, wounded veterans, um, all those who uh, those who died in the course of action, their, their loved ones left behind. And, um, you know, we hear about this all the time. We hear about the mission. And over time, I guess we get kind of um, glazed over. Um, uh, we, well, got another great thing. Good. That's great. I want to not glaze over some of these amazing heroes at Tunnels to Towers who are getting their families are getting their homes paid. And so when we come back from the commercial break, we're going to bring to life some of the people who this very month, the month of Christmas, their families are getting their mortgages paid by this great charity. Let's go to the commercial break. When we come back, we'll start reading these stories. Hey folks, you know what? A small regret is slouching in the dentist chair thinking I should have brushed and flossed better. A big health regret is listening to your doctor and thinking I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. I have that regret a lot. Better health today and when it matters most is why I take Field of Greens. Field of Greens is unlike any fruit and vegetable or green product. Field of Greens isn't watered down extracts. Field of Greens is an organic superfood. It's whole fruits and vegetables. Each fruit and vegetable was selected by doctors to support vital body functions like heart, liver, kidneys, metabolism, and of course, your immune system. And only Field of Greens is backed by a better health promise. At your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Don't look back and say, I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. Field of Greens is a key to better health today, right now, and when it matters most. Let's get you started with 15% off and free shipping. All you got to do is visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS at checkout. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And before we get to Dr. Michael Miller in a discussion about whether to vaccinate or not, <clears throat> I wanted to um, pay homage, pay respect, celebrate the lives of some amazing American heroes who this very month, because of the generosity, care and concern of the Tunnel to Towers Foundation, uh, their families are about to get their mortgages paid, the, a big debt a burdenous debt lifted from them in celebrating their extraordinary sacrifices of their loved ones, their husbands, their wives, their mothers and fathers uh, who gave their life or their limbs or their health to protect our country in Afghanistan, Iraq, and all of the places where the war of terror has been waged <clears throat> over the last year. So um, I'm going to give you five today. We'll do some more next week and every day up until Christmas. Let's let's try to have a few minutes to celebrate these incredible men and women. So first up today, Javier Gutierrez. He was an Army Sergeant, Sergeant First Class, 28 years old, belonged to the 3rd Battalion, 7th Special Forces Group out of Elgin Air Base in Florida. And he was killed in action this year. He's a recent 
um, uh, hero uh, killed in action on February 8th, 2020, while conducting a special operation. He was ambushed by enemy forces. Um, he's enlisted in the Army in 2009. He served 10 years in the Army, four years in special forces with combat deployments to both Iraq and Afghanistan. Now he left behind his wife, Elena, and their children, Gabrielle, Eden, Helen, and Emmy, and the Gutierrez family now, thanks to the incredible generosity of Tunnel to Towers and their donors. They're about to get a mortgage-free home this Christmas to honor uh, the extraordinary sacrifice of a true American hero, Javier Gutierrez. We at Just the News here at John Solomon Reports Podcast. Javier Gutierrez, Elena, your, uh, your beautiful children, thank you for your incredible sacrifices. And we hope that this little down payment on your mortgage, removing that mortgage from Tunnels to Towers, brings a little bit of solace. Uh, let you let it be let it be known that you have a larger extended family all throughout the Justin News family who celebrate your incredible husband and father's sacrifice. And uh, we wish you well. And uh, thank God bless uh, Tunnel to Towers for doing this. Let's take on another incredible um, uh, hero, Cameron Medic. Cameron Medic, Sergeant Cameron Medic. He's an elite army ranger. He died in a military hospital in Lansdale, Germany, after coming under small arms fire during a recon mission on January 13, 2019. So a little bit over uh, two, almost two years ago, he was in Afghanistan when he was killed. Uh, he was on a second deployment with the Second Ranger Battalion. He was their fire team leader, absolutely an important uh, position in the A Company. Uh, and he was just two weeks away from when he was supposed to be coming home to see his unbelievable wife, Stevie, who was pregnant with their first child, Brindley Leandra Ray Medic. And uh, Brindley was born four months after uh, his tragic death. And this week, this month, Tunnel to Towers will be providing Steve and Brindley a mortgage-free home in the state of Washington. Cameron Medic, you are not forgotten. Um, Brindley, your dad will never be forgotten. Stevie, your important, your beautiful husband uh, and his important sacrifice will never be forgotten. Thanks to the amazing people at Tunnel to Towers and all of our incredible readers and listeners here at uh, justthenews.com and uh, John Solomon reports. We're so incredibly moved by these sacrifices, by these heroism that we see here every day. These aren't uh, anything but extraordinary people, both the heroes who died on the front lines and the families who've supported them and live on to honor their legacy and uh, to um, always remember the loss that was taken that day of heroism. Uh, I've got a couple more here today. We'll do some more next week. Um, Terrence Jones uh, just had a home completed for him. So on... Um, Terrence Jones was an Army specialist. They call him Bo. That's what he goes by. He was on patrol in Afghanistan when he stepped on an anti-personnel mine. He lost his legs in the blast. Doctors were able to save his left arm, but his bones are now fused at the elbow. In the years since he has first suffered that injury, so it's only been a, uh, he first was injured in 2012, he's had, uh, just fathom this for a second, he's had more than 130 surgeries. I've been blessed never to have one surgery. I can't imagine 10 surgeries, let alone 130 surgeries. Um, Terrence Bo Jones, you're a hero. And uh, I know they're still working to fix your arm and to uh, repair and heal you as best they can at these great hospitals. But um, you're getting your mortgage, I'm told, uh, completed. I guess they built uh, built a home for you and completed the home this month. And... Um, Here's something inspiring about um, Specialist Jones. Uh, despite his injuries, despite all those surgeries we just talked about, he took welding classes, and he now builds custom wheelchairs with the company Box Wheelchair, and he helps other veterans. So he didn't go curl up in a ball. He didn't uh, use his injuries as an excuse to just stay at home. He went back out, used the skills and the capabilities he had, became a welder, and he's making wheelchairs that help other veterans. If that doesn't tell you what type of man, what type of hero we have in America, I don't know what is. Specialist Terrence Bo Jones, we honor you. We do. And congratulations on the new home. And thank you to Tunnel to Towers for that extraordinary gift of support. All right, finally, one last 
uh, person to honor today, this time a law enforcement officer. This one chokes me up a little bit because I come from a whole family of uh, law enforcement officers. My dad served 46 years and uh, retired as a police chief. My brother just retired as a detective and was a patrol officer for a long time before he was a detective, also detailed to the Secret Service. I'm so proud of my dad and my brother, I can't tell you. Um, but uh, when I, every time I see a fallen officer, uh, I'm reminded of all the days that they went to work and their wives, their children, their brothers, their mothers, their fathers, um, worried until they came home safe the, the following night. Um, and Sheldon Whiteman was one of those who didn't come home one night. Sheldon Whiteman worked in Long County, Georgia. He was a deputy, a deputy sheriff, um, and he lost his life in the line of duty on January 23rd of this year, so almost a year ago. He'd only been with the Long County Sheriff's Office for a few months before he lost his life. The 44-year-old served in law enforcement in Chatham County, Georgia, before coming to the Long County Sheriff's Office in September 2019. He had been a certified peace officer since 2016. And uh, his death, he leaves behind his wife, Elisa Ann, and their three boys, Aaron, Arian, and Shiloh. Three boys, ages 16, 13, and 11. And uh, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has committed to pay off their mortgage on the family home. Um, and uh, we honor Sheldon Whiteman. Um, his 11-year-old son, Shiloh, was so moved by the foundation's gift that he wrote a poem titled, Thank You. And I'm just going to read you the first couple lines. Um, I, I probably wouldn't get through the whole poem, even if I tried. But here we go. We are so thankful. Yes, we are so grateful. We appreciate everything you are doing for us. You are touching and stabilizing our life without a fuss. God is using your organization to bless us. Um, Shiloh, Elisa Ann, Aaron, Arian, uh, your father's sacrifice won't be forgotten. We hope the, the extraordinary generosity of Tunnels to Towers takes a little bit of the sting of pain, the sting of loss away this holiday season. But please know all of us here at Just the News and at John Solomon Reports, honor your dad. He will not be forgotten. All right, folks, we're going to go to a commercial break. Um, and uh, when we come back, Dr. Miller will be joining us and we'll be talking about his perspective on why people should get vaccinated with COVID-19 vaccine when it deploys the flu vaccination. I comes from a clear point of view, but he's got some valuable information and we all need that as we make decisions personally for ourselves about whether to vaccinate or not. We'll be right back after this commercial break to talk to Dr. Miller. Stay tuned. Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer, a beach bum summer, or a wake me up when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door, in as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest, Dr. Michael Miller, is joining us today. He's a member of a very important group called Why We Vax, Why We Vaccinate, uh, and has played a really big, important public uh, role in providing public education to people who have questions about vaccines. And of course, uh, we now have a brand new vaccine about to burst onto the market with coronavirus, something that President Trump and uh, the project Warp Speed uh, has, has gotten into the marketplace in really record time. And so we want to bring Dr. Miller on to talk about all these questions that I'm sure our listeners have. Dr. Miller, welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. Thank you, John. It's a pleasure to be here. To start off, just for people who don't know about Why We Vax, uh, which is such an important website, whywevax.org, can you give folks just a little overview of what your group does and uh, why it's so important to the public dialogue? Absolutely. Thanks, John. Why We Vax was formed to help promote confidence in vaccines and information about why vaccines are important for people's health, community health, uh, the economy. And obviously, with the advent of COVID-19, we had to do a big pivot, uh, like a lot of other organizations. And what we've been doing is really 
looking across the landscape of organizations like us that are providing information about uh, vaccine safety and effectiveness and the importance of vaccines and trying to figure out where are the needs that, um, that other organizations aren't filling so that we can step in and try and do that. We're doing that in a couple of areas with uh, workforce. We're trying to work with employers to try and help them communicate to their employees and the communities. We're also we're trying to launch a, a, new, a very new innovative initiative where we're going to be actually trying to bring our messages about why vaccines are important, how safe they are, how effective, into the discussions about, uh, anti, about the anti-vax discussions. As you know, uh, the world has become what I call nichified. And so people who are having these discussions online and social media about concerns about vaccines may not be visiting websites like ours and or our social media channels of Facebook or Twitter or right. Instagram. So we're trying to bring those conversations to them to the places where they are having these conversations. That's, uh, we don't think anybody else is doing that. That's a really innovative thing. And then, of course, we're doing all of our normal website uh, and, you know, social media messages about, how vaccines work and they're safe and everything else. It's uh, it's such an important mission and there's a lot of it, great information. There's a lot of misinformation out there. There's a lot of fears. Right. I have a son who's autistic and so I've met other auti- parents of autistic children who have concerns about vaccines. We we don't ourselves. And, um, and I, I just, in fact, last month took my 27th consecutive year of my flu vaccine. My whole family has uh, gotten the flu vaccine for 27 consecutive years. So we're big believers in it and uh, proud to say we've never had the flu in our family. We've been very blessed because of that. Um, but uh, there are lots of people that have concerns. And, and now there's a whole new um, uh, vaccine that will be entering into the marketplace, perhaps as early as this week or next week. Uh, stepping back and looking at this to answer the question that your your group's organization is really founded on, why is it important to vaccine? Why why do we vaccine? Why why should people be always thinking about vaccinations and flu shots and inoculations? Why is it so important to public health? Uh, vaccinations are really one of the miracles of medical science because it really prevents diseases from getting into people and communities and causing massive outbreaks. You know, we, we eliminated one back, one very serious, uh, um, you know, smallpox. It's right. gone. Uh, the uh, things like measles, which is incredibly infectious and devastating, causes death, causes, causes uh, mental retardation, causes blindness. That's been largely, you know, controlled. Although just a year ago, we were having a measles outbreak and, and people were concerned about getting everybody covered for the measles vaccine. And there is a concern, even in the current, because of the current pandemic, that a lot of people aren't getting those routine vaccines. Yeah, that's a real um, concern. It's a, yeah, we've we had a discussion with some people in our organization, our scientific advisors, about this, and they're concerned about particularly measles, uh, pertussis, whooping cough, and some other things, and adult pneumonia too. Right. There's the number of, of diseases that can devastate people, communities, families, uh, workplaces. Uh, if people get vaccinated, that can be just prevented. And if nobody wants to get sick, you want to be prevented from getting sick, and that's what vaccines do. You you talked about the, the really it is a marvel, and I, you know I, I remember the polio and smallpox vaccines were really historic. Uh, they predate when right. I was born, but uh, they were moments where uh, American history was proud of its science. How historic is the effort to get these? Um, vaccines for COVID-19. Really, they started the work maybe in February, March when the DNA sequencing came in. And here we are in December. Britain's already had its first few vaccinations. Canada gave approval today. We're on the cusp here in America. I'm sure we're just a day or two away. Uh, Did you ever imagine a time where we could get a complicated, complex uh, vaccination for COVID-19 done in, let's say, nine months? I guess it's really been nine months. Well, yeah, I think it's important to remember that this didn't happen just out of the clear blue sky. Biomedical research has been building on advances for decades. Yeah, great point. Uh, you know, um, the work on, on RNA, messenger RNA, has been going on for a long, long time. I mean, Watson and Crick discovered, and well, and Francis, whose last time I can't remember, of severe apologies, uh, discovered the structure of DNA in the 50s. And we, things have been moving forward since then. So uh, people shouldn't be concerned that this is something radically new or different. This is based upon sound science that's been building for decades. Right. Uh, I mean, you, you look at it, it's analogous to how treatments for 
HIV or diabetes or cancers have evolved over the decades. One builds on the knowledge from the net from the previous one. And so the, 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 the vaccines that are right before the FDA this week, next week, uh, you know, are based upon that. There are other different kinds of vaccines using different technologies that are also in the pipeline built based upon that same knowledge base. Yeah, um, that, you know, and, 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 it, and, and, and the people shouldn't be concerned that it's been rushed because it's gone through the normal steps. But because of the concern of the pandemic, just immense resources have been thrown at this. So people are working in some cases, literally round the clock in teams to make it happen. Isn't that amazing? Check all the boxes. Yeah. To check all the boxes that need to be and to go through all the public review and data evaluation. And that's what we're going to see this week with the FDA on Thursday, um, this week, and then the CDC on, I think, Friday and Sunday. And then they're going to do it all over again the following week. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. The, now, there's something it's unique. Inspiring. It, it is inspiring. And, and, you know, sometimes medicine gets politicized. And we saw that uh, this year a little bit in the intense, by, uh, intense partisanship that we have in America. But the, the people who do this work don't have a political agenda and their expertise right. in, the, in the 50 year, 60 year body of knowledge that we've developed in vaccines is really uh, we are the envy of the world here in the United States when people look at us because we, we really have developed um, such a rich body of knowledge and it can be adapted to any crisis that comes to us in the Ford. And we don't skip steps. I mean, there may be some countries where I might not get a vaccine because they might have skipped a step or two. But here in America, we, we adhere to the, the safety protocols. And until we meet certain thresholds, we don't deploy a vaccine. And it's um, uh, that's one of the things that I think is really remarkable about Operation Warp Speed, which is day and night, seven days a week, probably 20 to 24 hours a day, somebody was working to meet one of the, the uh, thresholds that needed to be met to make sure that things were safe. What is unique about this? Uh, I've, you know, we've done some reporting here at Just the News, but uh, this is a different vaccine than the flu vaccine, the COVID-19. Could you describe a little bit how this is a slightly different uh, type of vaccine than uh, we normally would do for influenza? Well, the ones that are before the FDA this week and next week are based upon this messenger RNA, which is, right. again, something that people have been working on for a long time. I'm not a technical enough scientist to get into the details of it, right. but from what I understand, that it, it, it's a very, um, built, the use of the mRNA has enabled things to be done very rapidly. It's actually a very clean vaccine because it's, it's the mRNA, messenger RNA, inside a lipid capsule, different types. And so there's not a lot of components for there to be issues with. And it also means that in the future, if, which isn't, is not expected, I'll make that very clear, it's not expected that this virus is going to mutate dramatically like the, like the flu vaccine. The reason right. there's a different flu vaccine every year is influenza, a completely different kind of virus, changes year to year. This virus is not expected to do that. But in five or 10 years or 20 years, um, when we'll have a very different scientific base to work from, in any case, the mRNA vaccine actually can be changed relatively simply, just like it's been developed in nine months, to create a slightly modified uh, form of the vaccine. Wow. And again, there's other, va there's other vaccines in the pipeline that are using other technologies, some of which are somewhat similar to the flu vaccine. Right. Uh, so people, you know, the, the statement early in the Operation Warspeed was, wanting to have a lot of shots on goal, a lot of different types of vaccines. Hopefully some or all of them will work. And we're going to find that out in coming weeks and months. Yeah, no, I think that's the, the and the, the, will, the nice thing about this original one is that uh, uh, the adaptability of it as time goes on, uh, you can tweak it pretty quickly if, if there is a change in the virus. But this is a type of virus that we, we, we have from historical perspective. It, it kind of stays the same because of its spike in its proteins it doesn't morph very quickly in terms of um, being able to create a uh, a defense against it. So that, that's a good thing, I think, for us, although we've been through a very tough year. If you're a person and you're scared, right, you know, you've heard something on Facebook, you're, you read something, you're, um, you know someone that got the vaccine and, and they had a, you know, a headache and a, uh, chills for a couple of days, and you're like, I don't want to go through that. What what can be done, you know, what can they do with their doctor, their health professionals to get more knowledge, to get more comfort, to make sure that they are a good candidate for the vaccine? What sort of things uh, at Why We Vax are you uh, make available to people to help them 
get up to speed and be smart enough to make a good decision? Well, I think the first thing you, you hit on the excellent point is that people should be talking to their own doctor or their own clinicians uh, that they know and trust. Uh, that can be their direct care team, or sometimes people know uh, doctors, nurses, and their family or friends, so they right. can ask. Um, Why we've asked, we're trying to work with those clinician communities to try and promote that message, because polling actually shows that doctors, nurses, and other healthcare professionals are the most trusted source for vaccines overall. Right. So, um, you know, do that. The other thing is to follow the whole process, to see that the FDA, you know, they posted the information yesterday. They're waiting two days to be looking to review it and, you know, then have their, their advisory committee meeting. And then after the advisory committee meeting, the FDA itself acts. And then after the FDA itself acts, the CDC has their advisory committee meeting and the CDC makes their recommendations. Uh, and even before uh, the information was posted yesterday, the FDA professional staff who are doctors and PhDs toxicologists, virologists, immunologists, they've been reviewing the data for several weeks. So it's not like it's just, uh, you know, check, checking the box, the paper comes in, they check the box, and they push it forward. It's been a very robust uh, transparent process. The other thing to remember, and I'll make, make the point out, uh, is you said uh, people are concerned about getting a fever, headache, or muscle ache, so, uh, you know, I'm going to have these side effects from the vaccine. Right. It's important to realize those are not side effects. That's a sign that your body is responding and your immune system is saying, oh, there's something here I need to figure out and get ready to respond to. So that's that, those, those, what you're, those feelings, the headache, the mild fever, maybe the muscle ache, that's your body's immune system responding to the, to the vaccine and getting ready for the next time it might see something like that virus. Yeah. And that's what you want. Now, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean if you don't have any of those symptoms, those, you know, headache, fever, muscle ache, it doesn't mean the vaccine didn't work, but you shouldn't look at the, the, the those, that reactinogenicity signs as something bad. Now, unless they get really bad, then you call your doctor up. I've had that with, with some vaccines and it was like, oh, okay, this is, this is what it is. It's going to go away in a day. Yeah. Yeah. Now there are a small number of people I saw Britain put out uh, earlier this week, a warning that if you have, you know, severe reactions to prior uh, inoculations or you have severe reactions, I think your person has to carry an EpiPen because you're so hyperallergic. This may be a, uh, a vaccine that you shouldn't take or you should take in a protected environment. Um, there are people that will be in a higher risk category for reactions and they should just work with their medical professionals to figure out what the best course is for them, right? That's uh, the normal. Ab ab absolutely. You know, the trials have been tens of thousands of people, 30,000, 60,000, but there's going to be some things that happen. Right. Uh, re allergic reactions, like what that sounds like. I don't know the details. I just read the news. Um, there, this is not out of the norm of medical practice. The, you know, people are going to be getting these initial vaccines in healthcare settings. So they're going to be in a place where they can be responded to. Right. And allergic reactions, like that sounds like, a, it sounds like immediate allergic reactions, are things the medical biomedical science knows how to deal with. And so going forward, they may have those people do something before they get the vaccine. I don't want to speculate what that might be, but that may be something that's going to be looked at. Yeah, absolutely. I think that we're gaining a body of knowledge every day. The right. way these are rolling out with healthcare workers and the elderly and then those with comorbidities and then, you know, middle-aged people right. and then eventually children, yeah, do you feel good in that? And what, what, uh, for the American public, at what point will we wake up and say, you know what, life's going to get back to normal around this time? Is it, is it the second, third quarter next year? What What's your guess based on the vaccine supply and the rollout plans that the states and the CDC and the government have sort of identified? Uh, I, I think that time frame is not unrealistic. It's going to depend on a couple of things. One is how many other vaccines are shown to be effective and can be rolled out because the two the two companies that are expected to have authorization in the next few weeks have been manufacturing and doing stuff, but they're not going to be able to create, you know, 700 million doses in right. a month or, or, or 14 billion doses for the world in a month. And then there's logistical challenges. So other, we're going to need other vaccines to move things forward as quickly as possible. But the bigger concern I have, and the reason why I'm, I'm on the board working with why we vax is if people don't get, you know, don't want to take the vaccine, then we're going to move back to anything close to normal very, very slowly, not second, third quarter, but we got to talk about what year. 
Right. Uh, so the idea is people have to want to get, it's going to be available and they want to want the vaccine. Uh, there's the old saying the vaccines that aren't delivered don't do any good. Yeah, and you point. said something er- earlier about, you know, we're, this country, we're not skipping steps. Um, in the international competitiveness world, if you're a company and you want to stay open, you want your employees to be working, be healthy and have a productive, available workforce. Uh, some companies and work situations need to get, you know, need to have vaccines. Just like healthcare workers need to take the measles vaccine. Right. They're seeing patients and they don't want to be spreading measles to everybody, right. which could be catastrophic. Yep, super spreader. In right. other countries, in other countries, there's not going to be a choice. So if you're a company that's in a global competitive environment and your competitors are based in a country where they're just going to line everybody up and give them the vaccine, there's no anti-vax choice or hesitancy. Then you've got to, you know, you're going to be at a disadvantage if, if people in your workforce, your community, your customers are not taking the vaccine, are not getting vaccinated. Um, you know, ideally, we don't want just, we're not going to line everybody up. And there's some people who are going to have concerns about their immune status or underlying health conditions that maybe want to delay or defer the vaccination. But this is why there needs to be conversations with people's doctors and nurses. And they need to look to those doctors and nurses for confidence and for the process and the experts um, and their you know, community leaders as to why this is an important thing for themselves personally, for their family, for their communities, and for their local and national economy. Yeah, that, that is it. There's a, there's a much larger patient we're curing here beyond the patient who's suffering from COVID or could get COVID. There's, there's an economy, there's a society uh, that's been dealing with, you know, economic downturn, suicide, alcoholism, right. child abuse. And so we're trying to cure a much larger uh, <laughs> well, patient. Yeah, yeah, you know, and, and everybody wants the economy to open, but they want it to open safely. Same right. with schools. Uh, and the other thing that's not talked about enough, if I could just get this in, Please. is people talk about, well, the, the death rate is this, and people, you know, you know recover. There's for, for, Nobody knows the exact numbers, but for every death from COVID-19 that occurs, there are people who are suffering from long-term um, sequelae, so-called long haulers. Right. Uh, this is some, something that's seen in other viral infections. People have problems after the, result, the infection is resolved, a variety of different things that can be quite consequential. So people shouldn't look at it as a as a binary or you know A or B option. I'm going to survive or I'm going to die. There's a whole lot of other bad things that can happen. It's seen in kids um, and on all sorts of other adults. Uh, for, with the, you know some who have health problems to begin with and some who don't. Yeah, it's a real I, serious thing. But it, we want to get the economy and the schools open and people's lives back to normal. That's why people have to have confidence in these vaccines. It, it, uh, it, I just met a person the other day who had COVID, I think in May, and here we are in the beginning of December, and they still have pretty significant side effects. Their digestive system is out of whack, and, and it's really, for them, uh, debilitating. They're at work, but they're, you know, they're, they're, they feel debilitating and constantly feeling like they're, you know, they're in, in distress. And so uh, you're right, there is a long tail to some, uh, for some people, there's a long tail to this virus. Some people get over in four or five days with sniffles, and they're great, but um, it is, it is yeah. something there. Well, Go ahead. I'm, just gonna, I'm sure you no, have something. And, and, well, and the other thing I was going to say is that people have to understand that it appears with this virus, like other coronaviruses, that immunity, if you get infected, the immunity wanes over time so you can get reinfected. The expectation and the certain hope is that the immunity provided through vaccination is going to be much longer lasting. And there's some, there's some reasonable hypothetical reasons to think that because you're getting injected with a needle into your muscle right. as opposed to getting infected through your nose, through your, nose your lungs. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, and, and, and for some of the vaccines, you're getting two shots, so it's like a booster right away to right. rev up your response and prepare for anything down the road. And if Sorry, I understand correctly from what my doctor told me, the second booster is when you might get more of the the feeling that oh, I don't feel so good today or I'm going to lay in bed for a while. <laughs> I guess it's that second booster that really brings your immune system up to its fighting phase, I guess. Um, so people should be prepared that, uh, if I understand correctly from the, the body knowledge that my doctor gave me recently, you know, they, the, the second booster, you might feel a little bit more like, huh, your body's uh, telling you they got this shot. <laughs> I, I, and I, think, I think that's what I've heard the data says, and I'm sure yep. that's going to be discussed by the FDA and CDC advisors. Right. And I'm glad that your doctor you know, knows about that. Yeah, and my doctor's been it. fantastic. 
Absolutely. It's it's so good to know that the doctors have been reading up. And it's funny, most of the doctors I know, they're, they're reading up every day. They're trying to find every, because they, they know they've said goodbye to patients and they've seen patients pass away and they don't want to say goodbye to anymore. And uh, they uh, the doctors I've met are really seem to be up to speed on whatever the, the CDC and and uh, FDA and the, the drug companies are, are providing as information. And now it's our job as patients and good constituents in America to to get up to speed on it as well. The um, here's a question I always get, and I don't know if you can answer it or not. But at what point, at what percentage of the population is there a belief that we're able to slow the spread through what I guess they call as herd immunity? Uh, you know, if if 60, 70 percent of the population gets inoculated, will that naturally slow the spread of the virus, or you know, is 100 percent the only option? What uh, can you give us some sense of? Um, what, what what a milestone might look like where we're, we're really winning the war against COVID? Uh, well, 100% is, you know, sort of theoretically ideal, and I don't think we're ever going to get there. Right. I, I think that's really a question for epidemiologists, but it's pretty clear that it's not 30%, it's not 50%. Um, 60%, I don't think so. It's probably someplace north of that. Right. For, um, but I'm sure that's something that's going to be discussed. But, you know, because of the limited supply initially of the vaccine, it's going to be, as you said, healthcare workers, uh, nursing home residents, because they have a catastrophically high death oh, rate. Oh, it is. It's terrible. Mm. Um, so they're the first groups, but then there are plans and there's been prioritization groups worked out from a variety of different groups. And the CDC is going to make recommendations and states are going to implement it as to who should be getting it in what, what phases based upon, you know, reasoned and rational discussion about how to best control the pandemic and, again, safely open the economy, schools, and get us back to a normal life. Uh, so I think that percentage, uh, there are people who speculated about it. It's gonna, they're going to have more data as it moves on. And partly that depends upon exactly how effective the vaccine is. Right. Because if the vaccine's 95% effective, in theory, you need to, you need to vaccinate a, a smaller percentage of the population than if the vaccine was only 60% effective. That's a great point. The other, the other thing that people need, and I just want to make sure this gets in, two things. Just because somebody gets vaccinated doesn't mean they're completely free, ready to go, immune, they can stop wearing a mask or anything else. Because another thing that needs to be demonstrated is that somebody who's been vaccinated, even if they're not going to get sick, it needs to be shown they can't get infected with the virus, be asymptomatic, and spread it to other people. Yep. Because the last thing you want to do is get the vaccine, not wear a mask, carry the virus and infect other people. So even yep. after the vaccine's rolled out for the, the short term, several months or wherever, it just becomes learned, more knowledge becomes gained. People get vaccinated, they're still going to have to wear masks and, and you know, be social distanced to be safe. So they're not spreading the virus. Now, if one member of a uh, family gets the vaccine early, uh, while they're in that incubation or inoculation period, uh, are they a risk potentially to the other members of their family that they could spread the virus, even though they themselves might not get it? Uh, I've had that question come in a couple of times on our, you know, our web, uh, our web lines. And I just don't know yeah. the answer to that. But uh, if you're at home and you get the virus, is there anything you can do to protect your family? Or is that an unnecessary fare? Well, anybody who's potentially infected needs to isolate and try and separate themselves from anybody else that that they could infect right so whether they've gotten the vaccine or not um and well, that, you remember is it's the other thing is it's, it's like for a lot of for the two shot or even the potential one shot vaccine it's the immunity doesn't happen immediately well, that's a good uh, point it takes a bit of it takes a bit of time and it appears that the maximal effectiveness of uh the immunity happens two or three weeks maybe Right. Uh, after the second shot, or it's unclear about the one-shot vaccines that are in the pi- in development. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, if somebody, if you're at home, if you're living with a bunch of other people and you test positive, I mean, the CDC has recommendations about how to, yeah. you know, keep separate from them, right. don't have contact. Um, it might make sense to wear ma- for everybody to be wearing masks when yeah. you're in, in common areas. Right. It's just the normal kind of common sense public health precaution. Yeah, no, that's a great point. But when you get the vaccine, you're not really getting a live version of the virus. You're not getting infected with the virus when you get this. I think some people think, well, I'm getting infected for a while until I build it. Uh, but you're not really. Absolutely not. Yeah, that's something. That's one of the great myths that I think a lot of people 
um, have that uh, have fear about this. That well, you're getting a ver- version of the virus, and I might give it to my wife as soon as I get home. The answer is no, no. It's a you're getting a DNA sequencing, right? Is really what you're getting in these first vaccines, at least. In in these first ones, yeah, it's a messenger RNA, uh, and there is that's the problem. There's a lot of misinformation and frankly disinformation has gone out about about the disease, about masks, about and about the vaccines. There, you know, there was a case back. I think in the 50s with the polio vaccine, where one of the early batches, uh, which they start with a, a live, but uh, what's called attenuating, it's a very weakened strain of the vaccine. Right. The manufacturing, it didn't happen right. Uh-oh. And a number of people did get polio from the vaccine because it was manufactured wrong. Wow. And that was, what, 70, some, 65, 70 years, years ago. ago. Right. You know, the world is very different now. And, and the technology is different, the safety monitoring, the quality controls. There's, there's, nobody should have any concerns about that. And part of the mythology around the flu vaccine is that, oh, I got the flu vaccine, and then I got the flu. That didn't happen. What happened was, in most cases, um, they could have gotten the flu like the next day, but they had a reaction to the, you know, that we talked about before, to that flu vaccine. They got a little fever, they got a little muscle ache, they got a little headache. And they said, oh, this is the flu. When in reality, what they were getting was they were getting protected from the flu. Right. The body's immune system was uh, firing up, essentially. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's an important point. Whether you have the symptom or not, what we're really trying to do is to have our immune system recognize that if this virus ever enters in our body, we know how to attack it right away because we've, we've been trained and we got it. You know, our, our body now knows that when the coronavirus comes in, and that right. spike protein that we're going to attack that right away. We know what it is now. That's really what immunology ultimately is, isn't it? Immunology is, is an incredibly complicated, fascinating world. And, you know, every virus and every vaccine is different. And if I can just put another pitch in for childhood vaccines, people to get, you know, caught up on the vaccines, because there's actually been studies that have shown for measles, if you get infected with the measles virus, right, it erases your immune memory for other infections. Wow. It makes it doubly dangerous. Jeez. So it, erase, it erases the memory of things you might have been naturally infected with wow. and the things you've been immunized against. Now, there's a lot of concern so, uh, about the triple vaccine, and um, I, I think they call it MMR, right? Measles, mumps, yeah. and rubella. Rubella. Right. Mm-hmm. For people who don't want to get all three at once, who've heard something about it, can you get them individually and slow down the process? It, it, help us. Because it's funny in the autism community where my family's been for 30 years because of my son, uh, there are lots mm-hmm. of people who worry that that's the vaccine that gets them sick. But it's, it, you know, we. We, we know exactly why our son has autism. It has nothing to do with the uh, immunizations. We know exactly what causes autism. But for those who have that fear and they, it's legitimate and, you know, perception is reality, um, are there things that can be done? Can you work with your doctor to split up that vaccine so you get I, one at a time? What, what are some of the emerging solutions for people who have fears like this? I, I think it's exactly right. They should talk to their doctor. Yeah. Uh, that's the best sort of vision. Not, nothing I can say uh, is going to you know, change people's minds on that. And, and frankly, from you as somebody who, you know, has lived this experience with autism and understands the reality, I think you're a better communicator on this than somebody like me would be. But but, but the best source would be your doctor, uh, you know, the, the nurses in the office, and uh, not, you know, your Facebook friends or what you read on Twitter or some other social media or website dark hole that's going to give you misinformation for whatever reason they're into. And it's also important to recognize in the autism world that the the guy in England, I think, who sort of generated that whole misinformation uh, was found to be completely fraudulent. He got his license taken away and I, I, he may have even gone to jail over the whole thing for wow. false publications. I, know I that, don't yeah. remember. Yeah, listen, um, I, I, that, I, that may that may be wrong. I, yeah, I may but, but from my perspective, I, I listen. There are people that have that fear, and I think the best advice is the one you gave, which is the be, You know, you've got a doctor that's taking care of the holistic family, the whole family, the whole patient, and right. sitting down and working through these issues. That's how we did it. Hey, when we first heard about it, like we had to go to our doctor and ask, hey, we heard this. Our son's autistic. Is this going to make him worse? And we, you know, we work through the things and and you get, you know, I, I think everybody gets a personalized medical plan when they have a good doctor. And I think that's the best advice that, that I've learned to give people over the years. Absolutely. Because, you know, because your, your son or daughter may have underlying medical conditions that's that right. need to be thought about in terms of the 
their vaccinations, their vaccination schedules, you know, if they were born prematurely, if they have asthma, if they have a family history of things that, that all that needs to be taken into consideration in that, in that thoughtful reason conversations you have with your, your clinician. Uh, that's great. Uh, great advice. And the best advice It's not kicking the ball. It's actually really a smart way to, to approach health. And it isn't just about vaccines. It could be about anything. It could be about kidney disease, heart disease, getting a, a personalized plan and, and understanding is the, the best tool that each person has for their body. Now, you guys at Why uh, We Vax have created some resources. If people have a question about a specific vaccine or process or how to get something, uh, what are some of the tools that Why We Vax have made available to the American public? We're building out our website around the COVID information. Uh, as you said, it's whywevax.org. Uh, there was also a very interesting website that was just launched I think last week called COVID vaccine facts with an S plural dot org. Uh, the CDC for all of the criticism that's gone on around the last year about a variety of things has a great website. Um, there's one it's called the end of it is vaccinate with confidence. So if we go search CDC vaccinate with confidence, uh, they've got some great resources up there. There's a variety of other things. You know, I would look for websites and information that you, you recognize as legitimate. Uh, certainly why we've acted is trying to step up other information sources and share things with other groups. Um, there's ones like Vaccinate Your Family that are out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but just, you know, like, like, any, like searching for any information on the Internet, just be careful where you go to get it. Uh, you don't want to be finding out, you know, the misinformation of things like, that COVID was caused by 5G or some of these other right. completely ridiculous uh, mis- misinformation. Because yeah, some of it may actually be, be, well, it may actually be people who are just not confused and deluded, but be act- actively looking to do harm upon people, their family, and the sure. country. There are, so, there are entities that engage in disinformation and foreign powers so, that do so as well. Yeah. Right. So it's an, it's another thing to ask your doctor about. And a lot of, you know, a lot of doctors and medical centers have their own websites. Well, they all have their own websites now, and a lot of them have information they've posted. So that's a place to look. Yeah, well. it's a it's a wonderful thing. And and Dr. Miller, I want to thank you for the time you spent for what your group is doing. Everybody's going to make their own decision on this. Our job is not to force them to do it or influence them, but to give them the facts so they can make the best possible decision for their family. And I think you've done a great job today just helping us understand not only the COVID vaccine. When you look at it, I have one last question, because I think this is important. Sure. And I've seen, you know, we've seen recent waves of measles, which, you know, when I was a kid, we didn't think it was, I was gone. Um, what are some of the emerging threats uh, in the infectious disease space uh, and in the vaccine debate that uh, that people should read up on, be aware of, um, measles, mumps? What, what, are there some that when you look out as a doctor, as an MD, uh, that you are most concerned about um, in, in the near future beyond COVID? Well, you know, there are, the, there are the routine vaccinations that are out there that people need to be getting. As you said, like, like measles, pertussis, rubella. Uh, pneumonia, other things. There are some preventative vaccines for, for some cancers now that are out right. there that people need to think about. Uh, there are, and then there are the emerging vaccines, emerging infections. I mean, coronavirus was known as a risk for a global pandemic like this. Yep. And so people have been thinking about it for years. There was a National Security Council uh, pandemic preparedness playbook that was created in 2016 that lists a whole number of different things from coronaviruses. I think uh, Zika, obviously Ebola is, is concerned. There's been work on an Ebola vaccine. Um, so there's a variety of new infections out there uh, that are kind of known as in, in the niche world, but could then explode or come or come or appear as some dramatic variant, which can happen with influenza, the H1N1, which right, was, great example, was, right? was yeah. The fear was that it was going to be like the Spanish flu from um, 19, 17, 18. Right. So we need to do that. And, and John, before, before we go, I want to thank you for all this. And also thank you for your, you know, promoting, because you've got a big megaphone literally here 
and for saying you got the flu vaccine. That's a great message to get out there. And I yeah, hope it's you worked will, for me and my family, uh, and we, we've done it. And again, I understand people who don't, and uh, but I want to let know people out. We've done it for 27 years, never had the flu. Uh, I wish they would. I will say this. I once got um, norovirus, and boy, if they ever come up with a vaccine for that, I'm going to take that because that was the worst experience ever. And well, we got it when we were in Disney World. You just don't want to have norovirus in Disney World. I can tell you that right no, now. <laughs> no, no, you, don't. you know, people working on other other viral and bacterial uh, things. Uh, right. Um, you know, just there's a, just a long list. Um, and so I hope they'll tell people that, you know, when it's your turn, that you're going to be ready for the COVID vaccine. Oh, absolutely. I've already been talking to my doctor about it. My whole family is because we all have comorbidities and and we want to be safe and smart. And um, uh, but we're doing our research first. And I think that's where this all starts. I think people uh, yep. it, it's not on Twitter and Facebook. You're going to get your information. It's going to be with your doctor going through, ask the right questions and build that confidence so that when you go in, you make an educated decision. That's what my family's been doing for the last couple of weeks. And it's amazing how great our doctors are when you, you know, I, I just love our doctors. And, uh, you know, my son had a lot of complications in life and they, those doctors are amazing people and they really do try to make the best decisions. Listen, we're all fallible, but they really have information. And uh, the best thing that we can do is just ask questions and get comfortable and then dive into the, uh, and do what the right thing is for your family and get, get it done get this country back to normal. Yeah. I mean, I got asked two months ago if I would get the COVID vaccine. And I said, well, I think I will, but I want to see the data first. I want to see the information. And you're a doctor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's such a great point. Tony Fauci Fauci said the same thing. Yeah. I mean, you know, you want to see the data, you want to see it go through the process. But assuming it all looks good, then yes, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's exactly what we're learning. And it is a remarkable thing, no matter what people think about this, the idea that People have been working around the clock since late February, I think it is, to to make this uh, there. And the FDA and the CDC came up with processes and the president and the Congress and got the resources. Uh, whatever we think about this, it is a real medical marvel that in nine months we've been able to get the country to a point where we're almost on the cusp of being able to inoculate people. And for everyone who's done mm-hmm. that, the people working around the, the lab rats at night and the uh, the uh, the people who are thinking about uh, deployment, uh, there's a, thousands and thousands of great Americans who've been working tirelessly for nine months to try to get us to a point where we can well, beat this thing. And I honor them all for their, their incredible courage and their long hours of work. Yes, and, and just to reiterate, that nine months was made possible by the decades, decades of work, of work. Before, yeah. before then, getting, getting ready to be able to do what's happened in the last nine months. Such a great point. Such a great point. And uh, Dr. Miller, again, thank you for your time. We're going to have you back on, I think, a few months from now. People are going to have some questions. So I think we'd love to get uh, uh, folks back from Why We Vax and talk a little bit about it as this uh, plays out. We're going to be covering this every day as a news story. But um, I think you've been so helpful today. And I know the one thing I'm going to take away from this is every person, get in touch with your doctor, get the right plan for you, and let's get, let's get this uh, virus behind us. Yes, and don't believe, if something sounds like it's, strange or weird information, check the source and check with reliable sources like why we vax or your doctor, covidvaccinefacts.org or the CDC, because you don't want to be misled uh, into making a bad, bad non-decision about getting a vaccine. Such a good point. Bad for you, bad for you, bad for your family, the, the community and the country. Yeah, that's a great point, Doctor. Well, again, thank you for thank what you. you and your group does. And uh, well, like I said, we're going to get back to you in a few months. I'd love to follow up and see what we've learned four months from now. I think that'd be a really good exercise for all of us journalistically and for our great listeners and readers. So again, thank you very much, sir. And we'll be right back with wrap things up from today's uh, podcast after these commercial messages. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. BiteClear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. 
All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports. I'm so grateful for Dr. Miller to spending so much time with us, answering all those questions. Listen, I've been talking to my own personal doctor, my wife and my son. Everyone has to make their own decision on this. And the best way to make a decision is to make it informed. And so we're all gathering data and information points and learning, trying to find out about side effects, the benefits, what will happen, uh, how do we help not only ourselves, but stop the spread of this horrible China virus that has infected us all uh, around this country and uh, brought this country uh, in many ways to a halt economically, socially. It's been a difficult year in 2020, but hope seems to be around the corner for those who are prepared to take the vaccine. And uh, I thought Dr. Miller really helped us understand what the right choices are. I want to thank him for that time. And please, 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 folks, uh, when you go to bed tonight, uh, maybe while you're in the car Christmas shopping, wherever you are, just take a few seconds to say a prayer for all those heroes we honored on the show. Sheldon Whiteman and his family, Terrence Jones and his family, Cameron Medic and his family, Javier Gutez and his family. Great American heroes, four who are no longer with us, one who is here inspiring us, though terribly wounded. He, he is found a way to help other veterans even in the middle of his challenges. These are true blue American heroes, and we're so grateful to have them. And I'm so grateful today that I could utter their names and a little bit of their stories and honor their families. Please say a prayer for them tonight when you go to bed. It would mean something special to me and all of us here at Just the News. All right, folks. Have a happy, healthy, blessed weekend. I know you got a lot of holiday things to get done. I do too. Uh, stay warm. Uh, and if you uh, remember, the greatest warmth is the warmth of love in your family and your friends. Stay in touch with them. We may not be able to have as much human contact as we had, but a phone call, a FaceTime chat, a Zoom chat can go a long way to keeping all of us sane and happy and reminding each other we're all in this together. God bless you. And on Monday, we'll be back with a new edition of John Solomon Reports. 